covet thy neighbor's girl, who happens to be named Jesse, because we are going to talk Rick Springfield. Welcome, Ash. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I like that I got a little biblical with the intro today. That was pretty good. Yeah. You said you were pretty impressed with this intro. I, I was very, I, I went through, I rehearsed various um, versions, but I went with the biblical version in the end you should do like outtakes at the end (laughs) like alter you know like dvd extras like what was the other intros (laughs) there we go the other intros (laughs) the the, um uh from the man who named yeah there that that could that you know maybe we could do that that would be fun so i'm just throwing it out there you know i like it no that's cool um so Rick Springfield, that's who we're talking about today. And uh-huh. I, I could have, you know, last week uh, with R.A.M., uh, we talked a lot of, I, there was a lot of different songs and things I could have put in the intro. With Rick Springfield, really all I had was Jesse's Girl. That's the only one I knew. Yeah. Even after an entire episode, to, <laughs> to be honest, and, and like I'm not saying this to be mean to anyone who's a Rick Springfield fan that also happens to like this podcast, but but many of the songs just sounded like, jesse's girl in different tempos so there's like the slower version and then the faster version (laughs) then the remix version yeah exactly so when i say rick springfield as we start every episode what (laughs) does it conjure up to you not gonna lie to you man nothing (laughs) like (laughs) like i knew the song jesse girl jesse's girl but i could not have told you who sang it and then when we started watching this one i was like oh this is the guy okay this should be good so that brings up an interesting point, a sort of music concept I've liked to pitch before, which is that there are certain artists where I feel like their music should just be consolidated into like one other artist. So for example, when I think of Jesse's Girl, I think of Jenny 8675309. Oh God! <laughs> Why not just consolidate assets and just make these songs both by Tommy Two Tone? So if you go to see Tommy Two Tone, you get to hear both songs. Who's to say Rick doesn't show up? Yeah, <laughs> who's to say they're different people? Exactly. <laughs> or maybe give them all to what's his name? Uh, Power of Love, Huey Lewis. I'm sure he'd do a fine job with these songs. Yeah, he'll be fine with it. So, but the thing that actually came to my mind with Jesse's Girl, because, oh, sorry, with Rick Springfield, was not so much the song because, like you, I didn't really know he was the one who sang that song, even though I, I knew the song. It was his very kind of gross appearance on Californication. Did you ever watch that show? I did, but I couldn't tell you who was he on it. I, so, I didn't know who he was. So, admit, I, I liked the first two seasons of that show. I thought they were awesome, and then I feel like mm-hmm. it, it just fell into it was a drama that it was it was comedy length but it was really a drama but they kept running it like a formulaic comedy where nothing ever changed and so it was in one of the seasons where (laughs) the entire premise of evan handler's character charlie runkle essentially just becomes examples of for sexual embarrassment and rick springfield is either acting in a movie or on a TV show and in a relationship with the character played by Pamela Adlon. You know her? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I think I know the character you're talking about. And there was this, like, extremely not attractive sexual encounter between them where they were also eating lobster. And so they're, like, okay. having, having sex with lobster bibs on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the culmination is Runkle, a.k.a. Evan Handler, like, beating up Rick Springfield to reclaim his love or something like that. And it, 
it, now that I've seen the behind the music, and by all accounts, Rick Springfield seems like a nice dude. <laughs> I, I honestly, until I saw this behind the music, I thought he was a total dirtbag because of the character he played. <laughs> Which now leads me to, this is like one of these episodes where I want to do everything but talk about the musician, so I'm going to find a way to talk about television with you. Oh, great. So what do you think about TV shows where artists, quote unquote, play themselves and they consistently, it's almost become a cliche, play the jerk version of themselves, mm. like like Matt LeBlanc in Extras and mm-hmm. Rick Springfield on this show and Bob Saget, who maybe is also a dirtbag, but always seems to get a kick out of playing himself as a dirtbag in every TV show that he appears in yeah, 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 yeah. as himself. What's your take on that trope? When does it work? When does it not work? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think for the most part you can make it work because like pretty much everyone you've named and anybody that I can think of is always thought of as being like the nice person. So I don't know. It kind of works in the sense that like you're playing, you're seeing them play against type, but then they're also taking the piss out of themselves as well. So I'm like, eh, okay, I, I get it. At least you have a sense of humor because like so many people in Hollywood don't. I guess so. And it's better than those awful cameos that are on shows like Entourage or Ugh. or Ballers, which I love. I've never seen. Thank you. <laughs> so Ballers. The premise is ridiculous. Ball, no. Ballers no. is good. <clears throat> and then it has these Entourage moments where like some sports figure comes on and is completely anodyne and doesn't say anything in any way embarrassing. And you're like, why did we waste three minutes on this? So I guess when they're willing to take the piss out of themselves, as you would say, it's funnier. But at a certain point, it just it doesn't work for me. It becomes just too much of a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did it so much in like the 90s sitcoms. Yeah. And it's sort of making a like resurgence again, like everything old is new again, which it's not, by the way. Um, (laughs) They're like, so I think you'll probably see more and more of that kind of stunt casting and especially if nbc get their musty tv back and go you know back going they're like you'll play john stamos but a jerk version of john stamos well he played that in that show that he had a couple years ago on fox oh no that already existed i didn't even know that he was already a jerk in that you know what i mean not saying that john stamos is a jerk i'm just saying he played one in that show well the the one time the one sort of lesser known time i really loved it was um when it's a show that made it only one season i i'm not sure how you felt about it i for some reason really liked it it was called don't trust the bee in apartment 23 or whatever it was called oh yeah i know what you're and about. james vanderbeek played a vain <clears throat> kooky james vanderbeek version of himself and i thought that he was super <laughs> in that role so i really liked anytime vanderbeek wants to play himself i'm i'm on board that was the only Fair. time. That's the first time I'd seen him in anything but Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh my god, I forgot he was in that. Because I was himself in that too. I guess I only like James Vanderbeek when he plays himself. Oh no, no, the movie in the college that the Rules of Attraction. Oh, was it Rules of Attraction? It was. It was in, takes place in a shared universe with American Psycho. It's he plays the brother of. It, it, it's by the guy who Avery, uh, the guy who makes the movies with Tarantino, made this movie. It's a really dark movie about these oh, kids in college. I don't think I've seen that. Then so I was I, thinking of something completely different. Well, the the names 
in that era of movies all sounded the same. Like, 10 Things I Hate About You and The Rules of Attraction, like, are really not that, are far enough, they're they're close enough that I know people who have rented one expecting the other and been very confused. Expecting the other? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) They're like, where's Heath Ledger? Why is there so much sexual assault in this (laughs) movie? Uh, oh, yeah, that is a really dark. That's a really dark movie, and it. it, it, it I mean, I, I make. I don't mean to make light of it. It, it. it is a really dark movie about college that it just whew, makes you very uncomfortable. Okay, great. So, all right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Uh, maybe I'll cut that part out. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> I, I now have to watch this film. I mean, it, it, the acting in it is quite good. It's just very. It's heavy. Um. So where was I? Okay, so we agree that Vanderbeek. If Vanderbeek had Jesse's girl as a single, I would also be on board. You're just like fanboying over Vanderbeek here, man. Yeah, and, and I don't and, even. And you weren't even a Dawson's fan. No, right? I've never seen a single minute of that show. <laughs> I've never seen the one where he played football either. Like Varsity Blues. Oh, come on, man, that's quality. Yeah, and I know a lot. I love that era of movies, but no, I've not seen that. Okay, all right. So speaking of actors, Rick Springfield oh. was an actor also. He was said to be set to steal David Cassidy's crown, which this is, again, a TV question. Do you think that people are banking on you've seen at this point so many episodes of Behind the Music that you remember the David Cassidy episodes from the previous season that they're like, oh, all right, tying back to that? (laughs) Or do they just assume that you know who David Cassidy is in 1998 when this came out? I think it would be the latter. Like... who hasn't heard of David Cassidy? Okay. All right. And in the 90s, there was enough Partridge Family going on. They were on constantly. They were on reruns, like, all day. So he has... They they were set to sell this guy. Coming out of Australia, by the way. Did you have any idea he was from Australia? Nope. I, kinda, I didn't even know his name until this. <laughs> I, I kind of I thought, just assumed he was from the same town as Johnny Cougar. Yes! <laughs> it's fitting, though. Yeah. And just as his dreams came true, his world fell apart, which is one of the great lines of on this course. episode. <laughs> the man had his own cartoon, which I, I, I think is amazing because at that point he wasn't even really a famous music star. And he, as part of the deal of having his cartoon, he had to write a song per episode. This guy was working really hard. Yeah, was, kudos to him. He was in a teen band called Zoot. <clears throat> God. <clears throat> and then tragedy strikes. And I, I don't, I'm, this is terrible. No one wants to be around a sick parent. But again, compared to some of the other tragedy, this is, this is I would say, medium, just regular life things. But his father has a heart attack and suffers some, uh, some brain damage. And he ends up going and taking care of him. And, and you know, he seems like a nice guy. He, he went and helped his dad all the way through the end of his life. And then, then, only then. So this is all happens before he becomes the big star that we think he was going to be. He comes back to California, and Capitol Records, th- oh no, Columbia Records, thinks they can make a hero out of him, or make a star out of him. And they make an album called Comic Book Heroes, where, again, here I am, poised to not like this guy. And I'm like, wait a minute, he had his own cartoon, he took care of his dad. <laughs> I'm like, I thought he was this guy. I thought he's got a comic book. He was writing a song a week for the show. I'm like, I thought he was this jerk from this episode of Californication. (laughs) No, he's like this super nice guy. So then the animated show. All right. He's dating Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Okay. 
which she was the big star they had as the guest in this episode. There was a lot of Linda Blair. She was the most. Yeah. <clears throat> that was the only one. Yeah. That's the only one I, that really stands out. And, and so all this is happening and the DJs are boycotting him because they think he's too much of, I guess, like a pretty boy or a canned act. Which we've heard before. <laughs> right, exactly. This seems to be a familiar situation. Yeah. Then he gets depressed. Don't want to make light of that as all uh, either. He gets depressed. But again, this is just normal life stuff. Yep. You know, there's no turned over trucks or plane crashes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's and, all his limbs. And again, the guy signs up. Life, again, he's already had his own cartoon. He's, he's already had more of a career than... Than most. Than most. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say he's eclipsed the mamas and the papas, but his career has already been more interesting than that episode of this show was. And <laughs> then in 1975, he signs up for acting class and gets a manager named Skeeter, which I thought was a great name. And again, bringing bringing it back to TV. When I say Skeeter, who do you think of? Uh, the bully off of um, Say by Bell. Oh, that's interesting. Who were you going to say? The Muppets. I was going to say Scooter's sister that was created only for the Muppet Babies, Skeeter. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so Skeeter. So in my mind, I'm just imagining Skeeter. And then he starts getting regular TV appearances. Again, he is getting more work in this short career than most of the people I follow on Instagram. Like, I follow all these very cool, hardworking you know, podcast hosts and aspiring actors, Rick Springfield at this point in his career has already had, you know, a lot of luck. He was on Battlestar Galactica. Ooh. Yeah. He had a, he had a contract to appear on television regularly with one of the networks actually. So he was, you know, and then he gets a new deal with RCA with a drummer named Jack White, who is incidentally not Jack White from the White Stripes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think that when it came out. I was like, what? (laughs) How old is he? (laughs) And then he falls in love with the, again, getting close to getting controversial again, with the teenage Spitfire receptionist from RCA Records. But they eventually get married when she's a a grown-up. And then he lands a role on General Hospital with a weekly paycheck of $750, which is like... I'll not, take that. <laughs> yeah, in like the 80s? Like, that's a lot of money. I'll take that now. What are you yeah, talking about? <laughs> yeah. Playing Dr. Noah Drake, which is such an amazing name. It, what was Joey Tribbiani's name on the soap opera? Uh, Ramir, Romero? Dr. Drake Ramore? Oh, I knew so, it had Drake in there somewhere. Oh, I'm I, sure. I bet you it's a reference. <laughs> Yeah. It's got to be a reference, right? Was it Dr. Drake Ramiro Ramore? Ramore? Ramore. Something like that. I don't know. I should know this. Allie watches Friends every night, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, we go to sleep. I go to sleep listening to episodes of that show. Oh, wow. I and I, and don't I always, know how to feel about that. And, and so, and I really, that show has not aged well for me at all. And I, nope. I'm particularly resentful of shows where the main love relationship becomes one that, that the show is built around becomes one that I have no taste for. Like Ross and Rachel makes no sense. Like what's the, what's the yeah, lesson there? To if be fair, none of them made any sense. I, I, I bought Chandler and I was shipping really? before, before shipping was shipping. I was shipping Monica and Chandler. Really? Yeah. 
I always thought they should maybe be. Maybe like first season Monica where she was like sane, but she sort of became like a caricature about like halfway through the show. They, like, they, they all became they all became pretty neurotic. And anyways, it's just the scenario whereby Selfish Rachel ends up, I guess maybe Selfish Rachel and no self-esteem Ross being together. Maybe that actually is a believable It's a perfect color. pairing. It's a <laughs> so anyways, Dr. Noah Drake. Um, his father passes away, which is sad. Um, mm. uh, but he writes it. Actually, this was the one song that was not like Jesse's Girl that was quite beautiful. It was called April 25th, and they played that in the episode. And I liked that a lot. That was cool. Never heard that before. Nope. Me neither. Then they have um, some live comment, or some, not some, some interview commentary from Sammy Hagar. Whoa. Who, of Van Halen fame and, and Sammy Hagar fame, which I think is. Like, that's some street cred that Sammy Hagar thought. Again, you were supposed to be this pretty boy, but Sammy Hagar's like, this guy could rock. I'd be more impressed if it was like David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, because it would be a more bananas interview. Exactly. <laughs> At my, my sister got married in Atlantic City. Don't worry, this is connected, I promise. My sister got married in Atlantic City. And we couldn't find anywhere to have an after party except a place called Sammy Hagar's Beach Bar, which okay. was a bar on the beach that was the only place open until 3 o'clock in the morning. And we partied. But he was not there. <laughs> they just served whatever brand of tequila he markets or something like that. Uh, Ryan, I got you. So I think at this point, Jesse's girl is big, and he leaves General Hospital. And he acts in a movie instead of a small more dramatic part he takes the lead in a movie called i couldn't even tell the name of it it was either hard to hold heart to hold something with a heart and holding or hard and holding i didn't know what it was called and i didn't look I it up it was a harp as in like a musical harp oh maybe it was a musical harp to hold because i think he <laughs> plays a, ro- a musician maybe it was a harpist a rock and roll harpist yeah i'm gonna go with that one <laughs> Playing Jesse's, can you imagine Jesse's girl on harp? That'd be pretty cool, actually. Like I, harp music's just cool in general. Yeah, and harpists are always very elegant people. They really right? are. I know. Like if you think of like a movie like The Fifth <laughs> Element, right? Like those futuristic mm-hmm. looking aliens. Like I'd imagine they'd play a harp. Yes, I would go with that. So Rick does this movie. It bombs. You've never seen the movie, I guess. No. <laughs> <Seeing it. laughs> Have you? <laughs> no, I'd never, never heard I of it. I told you, I knew nothing about this guy until I watched this episode, and I don't really know that much now, so I'm not going to lie to you. Then he goes into psychoanalysis um, and writes a song that sounds like it's a police song. And then... <laughs> now, again, and I, I don't want to make light of tragedy here, but then... The story starts with he was riding around on an ATV. When have you ever heard of an ATV story that doesn't end with a tragic accident? Exactly. Ozzy Osbourne is the first thing that comes to my mind. I think of Leroy Moore from the Dave Matthews Band. Oh, yeah. Who, who died I like many months later from ATV related <laughs> injuries. Yeah. Like, oh. I just feel like ATV is like anyone I know is like, and I went in and I broke my collarbone riding on an ATV. You're like, I told you. <laughs> so he gets on an ATV and has an accident. And then he walks away to be a dad. 
and mm-hmm. be like this nice person who then reappears on stage in the 90s wearing khaki pants and midriff shirts. And all I can think of is, Jeez. is this the Rick Springfield from Californication? This guy seems like the <laughs> nicest guy with like a good family. He married this woman that he met um, that ideally was an adult by the time he married her and walked away to be a dad and then tours playing his hits for his fans. There you go. What a nice guy. <laughs> I hope he has lots of fans, actually. I bet you... No, I know he does. I I, I, I am on Twitter uh, and engage in a really wonderful community of retro, people who love retro stuff. I, I feel like it overlaps with our Golden Arts world quite a bit. And uh-huh. I'm sure there's a bunch of big Rick, Spiel, Rick Springfield fans. And I don't... Um, I don't begrudge them. I, I The guy's obviously talented. Jesse's Girl is an amazing song. So I hope everyone knows we kid because we love. <laughs> so, yes, for some reason, I feel especially guilty because he's a nice guy. Yeah, like yeah. the mamas and papas, those people seem like they were horrendous, horrendous humans. I don't care about joking about that. <laughs> um, so okay, all right. Uh, and do you have any questions for me about Rick Springfield? Other than like, um, who is he? Does see. he have any songs? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you've seen loads of people. He's never opened for anybody you've seen. No, you know he he never has. <laughs> Um, and I wouldn't pay to see him as a headliner, I don't think, because it's a lot of show to see for one song. And I'll, I'll do that. I'll go see acts that aren't my favorite, but, I, but I'd but i like to check that box off and, and enjoy, yeah, yeah. enjoy their experience. And, and sometimes I walk away becoming a huge fan. Like, I was not a huge Kiss fan. I only really, like, understood Kiss, and I loved them from the movie Detroit Rock City, like, but I hadn't. I didn't really know that Kiss was awesome live. And one day I was like, eh, "I'll get tickets to see Kiss," and it blew me away. And I became a Kiss fan. Really? So they I guess terrify. I guess I shouldn't put Kiss and they terrify you. Yeah, they absolutely. Ter- I'm sure we've discussed this. Like, they they scared the life out of me as a kid. He, they still do. Like thought, they did a Scooby Doo animated um, like film. Oh, I, I have that. The, the, I have that. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I keep trying to get my it's, kids to watch. It's still terrifying. Don't. They will be scared for life because Gene Simmons is terrifying in any form. <laughs> <laughs> like he really is. That's really funny. I tried watching remember that show? Is it like Family Jewels or something? Like James oh, yeah, Family yeah. Jewels? I tried watching it. I was like, okay, maybe he's normal outside of makeup. No, he scares me even without makeup on. I'm like, no, I'm so done. This could be like a cultural thing, like it takes one to know one. Because to me he just seems like a hilarious old Jewish uncle. <sighs> maybe like, like your show off Jewish uncle from like the family like barbecues or bar mitzvahs like telling you about his glory days and says like super controversial things but doesn't really believe any of them that, <laughs> that to me is exactly like maybe not one of my uncles because my uncles are not like this but I have a lot of cousins of the uncle generation and he could easily fit in at one of our bar mitzvahs fair enough <laughs> I think I just can't get beyond the makeup and like whatever uh, else yeah no when you see him now he looks like a the, the expression would be, again, our Jewish listeners would know, like, Hadassah lady, which would translate into the Goldberg's world like one of the Frentas. Like, that's what he looks like <laughs> at this point. So he doesn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, and Paul Stanley seems like like a very, very, very boisterous president of a synagogue. Like that. I don't even know which one that is. Paul Stanley's is the star at? child guy. He's the, no. Okay. No, no, I'm only referring to the Jewish members of Kiss. The, I'm yeah. so, I don't know any of them. I know <laughs> Simmons, and I know he scares me. And I just leave it at that. It's now, it's now though. It's now Simmons and Stanley. Like they own the band. The other guys are all hired at this point. 
Oh, right. Okay. Oh. Um, Hopefully I, there's a kiss behind the music, because I don't know anything about these people. I hope there's a kiss behind the I bet it's one of the ones that Viacom has in some vault somewhere that we can't find. Damn, Viacom. I, I want to hear like when they talk about them taking off the makeup, as if it was like a major event in their life. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, I bet mean, they didn't. I bet they lived in that makeup in the 70s, I'm telling you. But they took it off in the 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. because when they did the song from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know... God gave rock and roll to you. Yeah. That is their song. I'm pretty sure that's a no makeup era kiss song. Really? Yeah. They did play that when I saw them both times, which was pretty awesome. I love how you went like twice. <laughs> oh yeah. I made, I made Allie go see them the second time. <laughs> like the first time I just went with friends and then years later I was dating Allie. I'm like, we need to do this. <laughs> they were $20 discount tickets at Jiffy Lube Live that when we got there, there were they upgraded us to like um, pavilion seats. It was pretty cool. Nice. Okay. Rick Springfield, which is who we came here to talk about. Oh yeah, I forgot what we were talking. About. <laughs> so not his shiny midriff, which you see in these '90s clips of him in his pleated khaki pants playing songs. But you know he is a handsome man. So Shania's midriff versus Shania's midriff. <laughs> yeah, versus Rick Springfield's face. Shania. All right, Shania. I just, I just, There's just no logic. It's just Shania. I just, I just wanted to give you the option. It's Rick Springfield's no. face. Shania knocks him out. KO. One punch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One punch, man. Cool. All right. Well, um, what um, would you like to plug anything or or shout out to anything or anything you're working on or? Uh, I'm I'm always just working on scripts and stuff, but nothing nothing to Ooh. announce. No no no, no cool scripts to. To workshop we should no we can workshop later yeah sure oh cool that's awesome uh, well i have read your stuff and it is on your website do you want to plug your website because i've read some of your your, oh. your your stuff that you have on your site and i think it's cool oh thanks uh yeah my website's ashwrites.tv that, that's cool there yeah there's um there's a script about i want to say is it a, is it an electronic shop or a pawn shop electronic shop electronic <laughs> shop us when we first became buddies i read that and i thought it was super cool it oh like, thanks it had like a british clerk's vibe to it i like that I it's actually based off the, like the place my husband and i met <laughs> and actually i was gonna bring this up in the rem episode if that ever came to fruition, I wanted What's the Frequency to be the, the theme song because I named the shop Frequency Electronics. Ah. Oh, and that's where it came about. That's yeah. awesome. I bet R.E.M. would be into that. I'm I just... hope so. They must love comedy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. They have good senses of humor. When you, yeah. When, in fact, A, they, they, are, they are as serious as they can be. They have really good sense of humor. But the reason why I know they must have a great sense of humor is that when Weird Al went on his, not his recent tour where he did mostly original songs but in the previous the last big show tour uh with all the costumes and videos and things like that uh-huh. in every show and by coincidence i ended up seeing that tour three times not necessarily <laughs> by plan but ended up seeing it three times and it was awesome <laughs> no one's complaining he, i don't know if you've ever seen weird al does these like fake interviews where he chops up mtv interviews or vh1 interviews and then asks questions and then gets like takes the answers out of context so it looks like he's I have not so in the show one of the main centerpieces of the show is a bit he does interviewing Michael Stipe and Uh 
I don't know if he has to get permission or not from the artists or just from the original interviewers, but to me, it strikes me as it's so central to the show because they do callbacks to it that oh it God. must be something where he got Michael Stipe's permission to, to do it. And it's really, really funny. And uh, so, it, so that alone makes me think that R.A.M. Plus, R.A.M. has appeared in not one but two Weird Al uh, bits. Cool. And, um, and you saw that Space Ghost bit in the... Mm-hmm. In behind mm-hmm. the music, so Space Ghost. Yep. Did you ever watch that? I didn't know. Did <laughs> it's one of these things that I think I'll understand now as a grown up. But when when Space Ghost Coast the Coast would come on as a kid, and it was like the Adult Swim kind of vibe, where it was like a, yeah. I was like, why isn't he saving people? Why is he just interviewing yeah. people? <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a great premise, and like Paul mentioned it as well. My husband mentioned it. I was like, I've never really seen it now. Um, but there are original episodes of the show that I like of the actual show of him saving people. So he oh, really? existed, and then they made him into the talk show host, I think. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'll have to find it. Cool. Well, um, uh, and people can follow you at? Oh, uh, comedy underscore girl. I'm on Twitter. And Instagram, I'm Improvinator. The Improvinator. I love that name. It's so <laughs> good. Uh, you can follow me at Pancake4Table on Twitter and Instagram, and you can uh, rate and review this podcast, share it with other people, uh, share it with people who dig music, People share it with people who just dig us talking about things that clearly have nothing to do with music. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if you want a podcast that has nothing to do with music, you can also hear my mm-hmm. other podcast, the Friday Night Movie Podcast, at FridayNightMoviePod.com. You can follow that there and uh, with that I feel like we are coming to the end of the program any final words on Rick Springfield other than who is he uh nice hair <laughs> <All right. laughs> so with that we have enjoyed the success heartbreak passion fame fortune glory and nice hair of Rick Springfield <laughs> thank you Ash see ya Bye.